Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoman's Oklahoma State Athletics Podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh and Jenny Carlson, coming to you in the mobile podcast studio following Oklahoma State's 63-17 to victory over TCU. We've got a lot of stuff to get to. Um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I've been scatterbrained all night ever since the Barry Sanders statue. I've just been, uh, been, uh, it, it threw off my whole rhythm of the game. So you guys are going to have to keep me in line. Keep me, uh, uh you a little starstruck. Uh, no, not starstruck. Oh. It just, uh, it just threw off my, uh, my, my <laughs> rhythm. And, yeah. uh, and, um, there's just, uh, there's so much I want to get to in this podcast and, um, there's not a, uh, a real natural through line to all of it. Some of it's sort of, uh, uh, it's just kind of scatter shooting a little bit out there, and it's uh, it's all over the place. So, want to get to everything, but um, we'll start with uh, we'll start with the game. We'll get to Barry Sanders and the statue and uh, the Ring of Honor and the blackout and all of those different things later. Uh, but the game itself, how about that uh, that Oklahoma State run game for uh, for a night when Barry Sanders was in the house? Go rush for uh, I uh, I wrote about this in my my story that will be in Monday's paper, but um, you know we we didn't know the uh, the final stats at the time that we were interviewing Mike Gundy and he estimated that they he, he was pretty excited because he felt like they had probably rushed for three hundred yards <laughs> and turned out to be four forty seven yeah he only missed by about one hundred and fifty so um, he only missed by about a player and a half really is what he uh, what he missed by. Um, it was fun to watch. It was. It was an impressive performance by uh, by the offensive line, by the running backs. Um, Jacob, you and I talked early on in the game that even uh, even when it didn't seem like there was much there, they were getting five and six yards of play, and it just felt like they were going to have a a really big game. Now I didn't see 447 yards coming, but. Really an impressive night from the running backs all the way around, Jacob. I thought Jalen Warren might get 200 yards the way he was running early. Right. Um, and then they just – he got the wind knocked out of him, and they said, ah, eh, you just stay over here. We're good at this yeah. point. Um, and I'm, I'm going to point out real early in this, too, this was a factor. TCU cannot tackle. They struggled. They're not good tackling team. That was bad. It was real bad. Um, but OSU – is really good at running the ball too. So there's a mix of that. And when you've got Jalen Warren running like he was, scored three touchdowns in the first half. Then you bring in Des Jackson, who looked good. I thought Des Jackson looked really good. And then you bring in an angry Dominic Richardson, and it's all over. And then you have Jay Nixon break one for probably the most electric play of the night. Really, it was. It was incredible. Um, There just wasn't anything TCU could do with that run game. No, there wasn't. Uh, Dominic Richardson was uh, was maybe the most fun to watch overall. The Jaden Nixon play was uh, was the singular most exciting play of the night. Uh, all the tackles that he broke, spinning out of the one at the end. And, uh, but Richardson was running hard and uh, and angry and and um, looking for uh, looking for a little bit of revenge, maybe. Yeah, you know, for those of our listeners who don't know, you know. Richardson signed with TCU out of high school at McGinnis, and then um, the situation changed at TCU, and he was there's there's varying stories behind the scenes, but basically there wasn't room for him anymore. Yeah, for different reasons, and so 
he never suddenly got to, after Zach Evans, the five star yeah, crew signed, yeah, showed up. That's that's one factor I think. But uh, so he ends up uh, needing a new place, and he hadn't even he hadn't reported to campus yet. Is this was in uh, I think June at this point, right? Early June, maybe late May, and uh, ends up going to OSU. And uh, he played last year, obviously as a true freshman at times. But uh, this was his first time to really go against this, the team he thought he was going to play for, and uh, he punished him. He did. He ran. He ran incredibly well. Jenny, what uh, what stood out to you about the run game tonight? By the way, I'll say I think uh, you're right, Scott. The the Nixon run was the most electric, but that when Dom Richardson ran over that linebacker mm-hmm. uh, for about a 15 or 20 yard gain, I was a little surprised when he just punked that guy. Um, so uh, yeah, no, I, I I think all all four backs. You know, obviously Desmond Jackson hurt for a long stretch you know I I don't know what you guys thought but I wasn't sure you know especially after the way that Jalen Warren's come on you know would Desmond Jackson get healthy enough to get back in the rotation enough to really make a difference and now you know I still think uh you know Dom Richardson may have a little bit of a leg up on him but man he looked good tonight looked fresh looked confident um so that's a great you know, sort of almost mid-season acquisition to get him get it, get a healthy Des Jackson back on the field. So that'll be interesting to see. But to me, we knew before the game Josh Sills was out with an injury, so we knew that they were going to be playing with at least one reserve. And then, as you mentioned, Scott, uh, starting center goes out and has to be replaced. And you know, they really—I don't think they missed a beat. You know, obviously TCU is not the TCU of yesteryear when. Gary Patterson was still in the building. He was obviously uh, ushered out a few weeks ago. But, um, you know, that offensive line, even with a couple guys, reserves who were playing a a lion's share of the snaps tonight, um, they – I think they gave up no sacks, one quarterback hurry, I mean, a couple tackles for loss, nothing – I mean, nothing that would sound alarm bells. So, to me, that's – that's a great sign that you've got running backs who are running like the four guys we've talked about, but then you've got an offensive line that when the starters are in there, we know how capable they are, but now it looks like they might have some depth there that they could really lean on if they needed to or wanted to, and that's got to be a really positive thing moving forward as you reach this stretch run. And, you know, everybody gets tired at this point in the year, injuries. So anytime you suddenly find yourself saying, Hey, there's more depth and more talent here than you thought. That's never a bad thing. From the sound of things, it uh, sounds like uh, both Danny Golevsky and uh, and Josh Sills will be back uh, back at practice this week. Uh, as far as what uh, what Mike Gunny knows, as of uh, when we spoke to him after the game, that could uh, that could change, obviously. But they were in a position where they didn't have to uh, to to press and uh, and really you know stick Golevsky back out there in a situation when he was maybe not 100% um, so it's uh, you know hard to hard to judge sort of the same way that they handled Warren uh, basically like well we uh, we can get by without you at this point and yep. uh, and let him rest so so we'll see what the uh, injury status is of uh, of Sills and Golevsky going forward uh, it'll be uh, it'll be nice to have those two guys back if you're if you're the Oklahoma State offensive line uh, that said, uh, Tyrese Williams at left guard and Joe Mahalski at center 
both played uh, both played pretty well I thought so that was uh, an important an important factor in uh, in all of this and Jenny was interesting what you mentioned about Des Jackson he actually had the most carries of anybody tonight he had 16 carries for uh, for 68 yards so um, really uh, getting some uh, some volume work out of him I think was important to uh, to help keep everybody healthy and uh, and he was running he was running strong as well so uh, really, uh, like I said, with Barry Sanders in the building to go rush the ball the way that they did was uh, was pretty impressive to watch. And I thought the uh, the thing that kind of snuck under the radar was another really good performance from Spencer Sanders, Jacob. Yeah, I I was really I'm still really impressed with Spencer the last four weeks, five weeks yeah. maybe. You know, I think uh, ever since the bye week, I think. Um, you know, because he had the three picks against Baylor the week before the bye week, and they still won. But uh, ever since then, it felt like he's starting to turn the corner more and more each week. And he just, you know, and I know we were we've had this conversation before the podcast. It's the maturity, I think, and it's getting old. I think you know, as you quote unquote old in college sports, um, the veteran guys. You know, you always know the veteran guys essentially, and. He's playing like a veteran. He's playing. He's making smart decisions. Um, he's not trying to do too much. He he hit. He threw the ball very well tonight. Um, when the throws weren't there, um, he either tucked the ball and ran and made the right decision there, or threw it away if he couldn't get couldn't use his legs. And I thought that was a really good sign of growth that he wasn't trying to force too much. You know, I think it's. Um it's a change for Oklahoma State quarterbacks to play that way. For so many years, we've well, and I mean not everyone, but I mean I think a lot of the impetus for really good teams has been quarterbacks that could carry a team to victory. You know, whether it was a Brandon Whedon or Zach Robinson or Mason Rudolph. I mean, those guys, if they, you know, if the, if the, if they had to go out and win the game, they could do it. Now, I'm not saying Spencer Sanders can't do that, but I think there's a recognition and, you know, I mean, I think you could, you know, say maybe he had some understanding of this a year ago to a degree, but the understanding that this defense really can go out and win you games. Punting is not a a bad thing. It used to be that, you know, Oklahoma State having to punt was almost like, admitting defeat especially if a game was close and they needed a play made it was like are you really this is this really a good idea but now I think the whole idea that hey if it's third and four and you've got a play that you think is going to work but lo and behold you know the other team blows it up if if you got a punt you know it's not the end of the world this defense is really that good so I think it's a lot of things but um you know to me the I'm not. I don't. I don't necessarily know that. I think like we're in Trenton Dilfer category, you know, territory here when when he was doing the game manager thing for the Ravens back in the day. But you know, I, I think I think Sanders is is a more dynamic quarterback at this level. Um, but you know, I think learning those intricacies of you know, throw it away, throw it at a guy's feet when you're out of the pocket, so you're not you know. If you, there's a chance that the ball gets popped up and suddenly somebody's taken off the other way, you're just not seeing sort of that moment of, 
here comes the fatal mistake, which, you know, Spencer Sanders has had those games. You just don't get that sense anymore from him. Yeah, Jacob, you mentioned uh, what he's done since the bye week. He's had the two interceptions since the bye week, mm-hmm. which goes back to uh, through the Texas game. Had the really bad throw at Texas that got picked off in the second quarter there. Yeah. Uh, but since then, uh, the only other interception he's thrown was the one at West Virginia, which was a ridiculous play by Dante yeah, Stills. That, I don't put that on Spencer. That no. was just remarkable. That <laughs> was. It was. What do you do? It was an incredible uh, play. And so. on Jenny's point about not worrying, you know, you, you've got this defense. It reminded me, it, it happened so early in the game, but Brennan Presley's fumble. Right. And it, you, they're never you when he fumbled the ball away on the opening drive, you never felt this like, oh no, from anybody in the stadium other than you know TCU got excited, but like no one seemed to really be bothered by the fact that Brendan Presley fumbled the ball away. It was like, oh, the defense gets to get on the field now. Cool. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it was it's bizarre. Just to uh, to wrap it up on uh, on Spencer Sanders. Uh, 235 yards, 17 of 25 passing, and the uh, the one touchdown to Blaine Green. So a uh, really, uh, really solid and uh, and efficient night from him. Maybe this launches us into to our next segment, uh, talk about the defense, but I think Jacob makes a great point about that, that early turnover on OSU's first possession. I get the sense like Cowboy fans are fired up to see their defense on the field. And why yes. wouldn't they be, guys? I mean, I don't know if we've seen a total shift. I still think OSU fans like to see themselves a little offense, like to see some points up on the board. But you could tell people were fired up about, hey, the defense is out here. Let's go. Let's see what we can let's see what we can do. That's the sense I get from people now in the stands, guys, and that's that's a feeling that I don't think anybody can say they've had at Oklahoma State for a really long time. Absolutely. I, I don't know that there's been a, uh, well, there definitely hasn't been a defense like this in the Mike Gundy era. Um, you're going to have to go back to uh, to the Pat Jones days in the uh, the mid-1980s when uh, when Leslie O'Neill and guys like that were, uh, were patrolling the defensive side of the ball for Oklahoma State to really find some defenses that were doing the kind of things that this group is doing. So, Really, uh, really impressive uh, what they did. I was obviously, 10 points of the 17 tonight came against second and third string guys uh, when the starters were, were off the field and done for the night because the offense had, had given them such a, uh, such a big lead. And that's, uh, that was a big thing uh, that we, we haven't really talked about, the fact that the defense got to get some rest again. You know, yeah. they, got to, they got a nice break against Kansas, uh, but they've been playing a lot of plays this year because so many games have been uh, have been tight they haven't had a lot of opportunities to rest guys on defense and you know they do things to uh, to to keep guys rested whether it's rotating guys in or uh, or what have you but um, there's uh, there's nothing that uh, that can uh, that can replicate uh, getting guys off the field and uh, and and letting them have you know most of the second half, or a good portion of the second half off the entire fourth quarter and then some. So that was uh, that was really important. Uh, but the uh, the defense as a whole just just they just keep doing what they do. It's it's really it's really so impressive to watch. Um, first stringers gave up a field goal again. So uh, as far as they're concerned, that's three games in a row with allowing one field goal. <laughs> 
They, uh, they hadn't allowed each. a touchdown in 11 quarters yeah. until that sec, until that second team touchdown was scored. Yeah, tonight, and that was like and like the last one was like 4:55 or something left in the Iowa State game. Right. So, remarkable. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty impressive. Um, really good on third down again, and uh, and getting off the field, even though uh, you know it looked like they were going to have some struggles early. They uh, they adjusted. And hearing Jim Knowles talk about the way that they're able to make adjustments on the fly and and solve problems really quickly is uh, is so uh, is so impressive because I think that's what you get when you have uh, when you have a really veteran group of really talented and smart players. You have the you have that knack for finding the answers to the problems that uh, that are presented to you, and and that's what this group does really well. I think. Yeah, they, they clearly I, – I feel like Jim Knowles and his players are just, like, perfectly in sync. Yes. It's it's this strange thing that, that – I mean, I, I know this is my third year on the OSU beat, but you just don't see that across the country very often where players are so in sync with their coach like that to where they're basically an extension of him. Yeah. It's 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 impressive. I, I just – I picture the mad scientist here – Maybe he's a puppeteer. Maybe that's maybe that's the better <laughs> analogy. He's a puppeteer over there, just pulling these strings on these guys, and it's just everything works. Yeah, it does. And they didn't have to get too crazy tonight either, which I I kind of thought they might with the uh, redshirt freshman quarterback making his second start in there. But they didn't have to get real crazy with what they were throwing at him, uh, and it was uh, it, they were able to, to stay pretty basic most of the night and and do what they needed to do, Jenny. Yeah, and, you know, Chandler Morris, the um, Max Dugan's replacement at quarterback for TCU, obviously had a huge first start a week ago, beat Baylor, a team that we know what they did against Oklahoma on Saturday. So, you know, clearly a capable Baylor team. So I I think that got OSU's attention. You know, this may be something we hit on a little later, but, you know, OSU's had the last few games, even back to the Kansas game, Kansas wasn't coming off a win, but they were coming off a game that got everybody's attention after they had that sort of knockdown drag out with OU. But OSU's had opponents coming in basically, you know, every week that are coming off games that sort of grab your attention. And that seems to have, you know, I mean, yeah, that's, I know there's a sort of a inherent risk and like it gets your attention and could they do the same to you? And the answer is they could, but the result has been that OSU's sort of been on high alert. They've really prepared, got out there, and and taken care of business in all those instances. So, you know, I think that that has ended up playing to, um, you know, on what's already a strength that just makes it even more of a strength that those guys are sort of on heightened alert with these teams. And they it happens again this next week at Tech. You know, maybe there's a point where the result isn't the same, but. Tech's coming off a huge upset of Iowa State. You know, again, everybody's attention is going to be on the fact that this is a very capable Texas Tech team. And, you know, what what does that mean for what OSU needs to do to get ready for that? But, yeah, I mean, I think that um, when you talk about the way that Jim Knowles and his guys work so well together, I mean, pretty clearly he's got guys that I think um, – I think have a, an understanding of what he wants to do and, you know, have a knowledge in a way that goes beyond just, I know this defense. Like, I think they have a pretty good idea of 
why Knowles calls what he calls and why, you know, maybe they're not making those calls, but when he calls it, I think they sort of get it. Like, I think he's got them to the point, especially guys like, you know, Colby Harville Peel or Malcolm Rodriguez, like those guys aren't just going out and, you know, like, you know, do this, do that. I think they're understanding like, okay, this is why we're doing this. And that to me takes it to another level, you know, as he was, Scott, you're right. He was talking tonight about being able to make a call and guys mentally able to adjust on the fly. I tend to think that's because those guys maybe somewhere in their back of their heads are thinking we need to do X, Y, Z to combat this. And it's just a matter of Knowles making the call and then it's like, okay, yep, that's what we're going to do. You know, they were sort of already maybe thinking in those terms. It's just been impressive to watch, like, you know, TCU has some huge plays. Um, that they had a 46-yard pass that got them into the red zone real quick at one point. And the next three plays, OSU, negative plays, forced them into a field goal situation. So they still scored, but to be able to turn a big 46-yard gain into three negative plays right away, like, that doesn't always happen. I mean, teams will go score after 46-yard pass plays. Um, so to, to see them switch that around, that can be almost as demoralizing as, you know, a 46-yard pass play could have gone the other way on them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, back to what you were saying, Jenny, about um, the team's making, uh, making a statement right before they play Oklahoma State. It's four weeks in a row now, counting Texas Tech next week. But, uh, but Kansas took Oklahoma into the fourth quarter. Then West Virginia, the week before they played Oklahoma State, they, they defeated Iowa State. And then, uh, and then TCU obviously beat Baylor last week. And, uh, and now Texas Tech has the, uh, the wild victory against, against Iowa State today with, uh, with the, the Cowboys set to go to Lubbock next week. So, so I guess if you're an OU fan listening to this podcast, which welcome if you are, yeah. um, it's a good sign next week for OU. <laughs> yeah. against Iowa State. Yeah, it's it's good news for them. They're yeah. gonna they're gonna be right back on point and uh, and playing well against Iowa State. <laughs> I mean, um, makes sense, right? Pretty uh, pretty wild what uh, what teams have been doing the week before playing Oklahoma State. So keeps the Cowboys uh, on point and focused and uh, and playing well. Um, just in general about this game, I. Uh, I I really thought that TCU was going to be able to uh, to do a little bit more than they than mm-hmm. they, than what they did offensively, and I definitely didn't think that Oklahoma State was going to have the type of offensive success that they had. Um, if you had told me that it was a uh, a forty two to seventeen game, I would have thought things went really well for Oklahoma State. And uh, and to beat them sixty-three to seventeen, and and really do it even even more dominantly than that was a uh, was a really impressive win. I thought for uh, for Oklahoma State, just just in general, kind of uh, kind of checking the boxes and moving on to the next week. I yeah I I never saw this one coming either. I mean I didn't see last week coming either, where they shut down West Virginia entirely. Right. Um, I don't know that I even saw the outburst offensively against Kansas necessarily. You no. know, they're just they keep they keep raising the bar um, because when you think about these chunk plays that the defense gave up early in the game, it really wasn't that bad. No, when you think about it, but the bar is so high for this OSU defense, it felt bad. 
Every time you get, they give up a first down, you're a little bit surprised. Yes. Yeah. And when they give up multiple, like they gave up, I think there was multiple third down conversions by TCU on that first drive. And I thought, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was Something's just wrong. Like, yeah. They're not stopping them on third down. They're not punting yet. What's going on? <laughs> um, it was just strange, but that's just, that's the issue. And they keep raising the bar at different levels. Yeah. They really do, and it's it's really impressive. So, all right, let's uh, let's move on to some of the uh, the um, the outside things that were uh, that were a part of the evening. The Barry Sanders statue, uh, I thought, was a uh, uh, was a uh, uh, was well done all the way around yeah. from uh, from the the statue itself to the ceremony to uh, to just uh, you know Sanders what he had to say in speaking to the media and, and speaking on stage. Uh, it was a, uh, a really well done event. I thought Jacob, I, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm going to go out and say though that the buildup was pretty great too. When the Barry Sanders statue makes a stop at Brahms. Oh yeah. That wins the weekend. I mean, that's, it's pretty great. Um, but yeah, no, the statue I think looks fantastic. Um, I thought listening to Mike Gundy talk about Barry, before the game and after the game was great. I thought Pat Jones was fun. Um, you know, I thought it was really cool that Barry's high school coach was there. Um, that that was pretty pretty neat to see. And um, I'd never been around Barry before, so that was just kind of cool for me, um, being old enough to remember watching him play Lions games on Thanksgiving morning all the time. Um, so I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Did anybody else have the thought of – you know, Chad Weiberg, longtime, you know, OSU fan. He's, you know, talked about how he grew up, you know, loving OSU, all things OSU. Is there any part of you that thought, you know, the kid inside Chad Weiberg is geeking out at the fact that he's, he's the athletic director when they do the statue for Barry Sanders? I, I mean, just just a lot of cool things about it and uh it was i thought it was awesome to see so many family members i think they did a big family photo in front of the um statue which was really really cool barry's mom was there um scott i think you even wrote about who gets the mini statue (laughs) that uh that came out of today right uh yeah exactly uh barry said his uh his mom still has the heisman trophy so um (laughs) They're going to have to have a tug of war to decide where uh, where this statue is going. So I thought we'll his see joke, where it ends up. I thought his joke cracking up about the, uh, his, the so much family there. He didn't know his family grew that much. He's like, wait, did my <laughs> yeah. family grow? Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny too. Yeah, he did have a lot of uh, a lot of family on on hand. Um, uh, I felt bad for uh, for Barry J. Sanders, <laughs> who uh, was apparently the one in charge of uh, making sure that. All the family was uh, was situated, and everybody had their uh, their T-shirts, and and uh, everybody had a seat at the uh, at the next to the stage, and all of that stuff. So. There were a couple times they'd point out somebody, and he'd go, "Oh yeah, that guy or or that that <laughs> girl." And I, it was so funny. Like Barry was like, he was so scatterbrained, standing there next to me. It was really funny. Yeah, it was good stuff. The uh, the Ring of Honor was uh, went off smoothly. Mm-hmm. Thought that was a, uh, a, a a neat deal, seeing Thurman Thomas and Barry Sanders' names up on the uh, up on the wall there inside Boone Pickens Stadium is a is a really cool deal. Any idea why only Dallas Cowboys spoke at halftime about Barry Sanders? <laughs> right. That was uh, they had some some really interesting folks that uh, that that 
sent videos in, but um, Emmitt Smith made sense. They were both the premier running backs of the league. Yeah, at the time. Yeah, um, I know that Joe Montana did a a, a video tribute, and because Barry tweeted it out, Barry Sanders tweeted it out. That would have been. I mean, that that was sort of unexpected. Um, not that I wouldn't. Not that I would think that Joe Montana wouldn't do that, but you don't really think about them crossing paths all that often and I thought that was a that was a cool one um but I thought the whole thing was really well done and you know I think that (laughs) I I have and I wrote a little bit about this uh for my column which will be online uh here now over the weekend and it'll be in print on Monday but this whole setup with you know the Sanders tribute stuff and the blackout and the primetime game and Oh, by the way, all these these upsets that are happening around the Big 12 before OSU tip, or kicks off, and you wonder, like, are there OSU fans sitting around going, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no, this is the this is the one." All this buildup, all these things going on, and it's upset Saturday, and this is the one that you know comes and bites us. I got to think there were at least some OSU fans sort of with that dreadful thought in the back of their head, but. That did not happen, and I. It was a all around, you know, the kind of cool night that if you're OSU, like sitting around a year ago, thinking, okay, we're gonna do the Sanders statue, and you know, okay, now we're gonna have a night game, and you know, it just really worked out well. I think for for anyone that loved OSU, you had to think this was a pretty good day. I want to come back to the Ring of Honor uh, in a minute, but. The uh, the blackout was uh, was as cool as I thought it was, was going to look. Looked really good, and uh, I think being a night game helped. But I think it would have looked cool anytime. I thought it was uh, uh, a really uh, neat idea and uh, and really well executed. And lots of uh, lots of fans were uh, were aware of the situation. So it that's that's the been most cool anytime but uh, September. It literally would not have been cool then. No, would have been warm and <laughs> and attracting more heat. Yeah. So that would have been uh, that would have been a little bit rough. So well planned by uh, by Oklahoma State to have it in November. Um, going back to the Ring of Honor, I wanted to get y'all's opinions on this because I wrote about it earlier in the week uh, about who should be next because Thurman and Barry were the obvious two. I mean, the, the, they're both in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, they're they're the two best players to come out of Oklahoma State. By far, I think I think it's pr- a pretty clear margin. But uh, but I was trying to, to throw out there who might be next, and I I gave a few suggestions: Leslie O'Neill, uh, Bob Fenimore. Walt, uh, no, I almost said Walt Garrison. I didn't put Walt Garrison on my list, though I considered him. Um, Chester Pittman, mm-hmm. Mike Gundy, Hartley uh, Dykes, right? No, no uh, Justin Blackman. I put Justin Blackman, Blackman on the list and Terry Miller. That's who I was forgetting. I knew there was another running back. I was uh, that was slipping my mind. Terry Miller was the other one I I threw out there. Um, got lots of uh, lots of other suggestions uh, from Twitter uh, that were uh, that were very interesting. Um, some were, were uh, a little odd, but uh, that's what you expect <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. So uh, Twitter's an but, odd place. But I uh, but I appreciated all the interaction. Um, but uh, but I wanted to get y'all's opinions. Who uh, who would you guys fire out there oh, for uh, for next in line? It's uh, it's 
it's not as clear cut as uh, as one and two were. So it's no. it's going to be really interesting. I will say this was uh, I, I I'm not I'm not advocating for this to be the uh, the next induction, but uh, but when they get around to this point, someone suggested that Whedon and Blackman go in together. I thought that was yeah. a really good idea. Yeah, that is a really good idea. They uh, might be a little bit down the line, but yeah. uh, but that'd be a really cool deal to do. Yeah, I kind of lean towards Chester Pittman. I like myself. That. Um, just the whole story with him being the first um, black athlete to to letter in football, and yeah, um, and what he did to change the program. I kind of I lean that direction. I like that. Jenny, you have any thoughts? I mean, I would not be opposed to that if that's if that's the next. Um, I think you could, um, as it relates to, you know, sort of standout uh, play. I mean, if you're looking for a defensive guy, to me, Leslie O'Neill's the guy. Right. If you want to honor somebody from an earlier era, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong with Bob Fenimore. To me, those are the three that I would say they're picking from next. And not to say that, I mean, I do think Blackman, Whedon, Gundy, I mean, I think all those guys at some point will be in the ring of honor. Um, but I think if you're talking about who's next, the question in my mind is, is are you, are you thinking about defense? Are you thinking about other eras or are you thinking about broader implications? And those three guys are, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, honor anyone in any of those three ways those are your guys to me so I don't know if you can go wrong with any of those choices I think it's to me the statue thing Barry and I wrote a little about this in our newsletter this week and sort of the the way that statues can like where does it end like if you I think at OSU there's a pretty clear cut you know one and you know two or two and one or however you want to say you know Thurman Thomas and Barry Sanders rank and you know I don't think they're looking to put up a ton of statues in Stillwater but I the ring of honor thing to me I think that's cool I mean it's it's part of the stadium it's ever present and you can you can put a lot of names up there and I don't think you just want to do it haphazard but I think you can everybody you mentioned Scott everybody that you mentioned Jacob I mean I think all of those guys belong and will be there at some point. And so I just think it's – I think it's cool. I like the Ring of Honor thing. I'm glad that OSU has added it. Um, you see it in pro stadiums, a lot of college stadiums. I think it's a super cool thing. Yeah, it's really neat. And um, I'm with you, Jenny, on, uh, on that trio that you named. I think I, uh, I think I lean just the slightest bit toward Bob Fenimore and uh, – and I, I don't have a really good reason for it, but, um, but I think uh, you know, recognizing a guy that was on the '45 team and um, did what he did and was really the first big star uh, for uh, for Oklahoma State is uh, is, is is worth uh, worth having his name up on the wall. So. All right. There's probably a lot to uh, to discuss in this category, so I'll go ahead and throw it out there. The most important thing I forgot, Jacob. Ooh, most important thing you forgot. I'm going to go with the highlight of the pre- of the post game press conference when Brennan Presley was asked about his kick return out of the end zone, and he said, "I thought, Evan, I'm going to go for it." <laughs> and I, being the 
smart aleck I am, is that I want to know how many times in a game you think F it on a play. <laughs> and he admitted 80% of the time. Yeah. He is now my favorite player on the team <laughs> because he clearly gives no Fs sometimes. And only that's fun. T- he only gives Fs 20% that's of the time. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It's, it, it is accurate information. Um, that that made my night even more complete. And and his uh, his parting words, which was I probably should have lied on that one, was uh, was uh, really my favorite line of the night. Yeah, and I said, oh please don't, just just keep telling us the truth. We we will love you more for it. You know what? I'll go with uh, I'll go with another receiver. Um, well, receivers. I'll, I'll go with the, the young trio of freshmen. Um, whether you're talking about Bray or the Green Twins, I think those guys. You know, we talked about the offense and how it's evolved, and I really think you know. Obviously, those guys had some health issues, but I think we're really starting to see them come to the front, and it's going to be interesting to see these next few weeks. Like, where does that take them? That's a those guys are some serious weapons now, and I think they're going to be really good for a long time. Uh, we saw. Blaine Green get his first touchdown, first career touchdown tonight. Uh, sort of a cross country, uh, outran the defense and had to high step it into the end zone a little bit. But I think those guys are big time playmakers, and we're starting to sort of see them come to the front. Going to be interesting to see these last uh, weeks of the season. What does that look like? All right, and for uh, for the uh, the couple of things that I uh, that I forgot. Um, I don't. At least I don't think we mentioned on the podcast that uh, that Jalen Warren went over a thousand yards for the season. We did not. Twenty five running backs. Well, not twenty five running backs because some guys did it multiple times. But uh, twenty five times, uh, OSU running backs have gone over a thousand yards for a season. He is the twenty fifth. He did it for the twenty fifth time. Barry so. Sanders did it twenty four times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so. Uh, pretty impressive for a guy that uh, two weeks into the season had uh, what was it, 19 carries for uh, yeah. 68 yards, something like that. And impressive the fact that we thought we were they, that OSU might be lucky to get a thousand total yards on the ground <laughs> at the beginning of the season. Yeah, exactly. after the first couple of weeks. And the other uh, milestone-ish uh, happening of the night, Malcolm Rodriguez moves into fifth place yeah. in the all-time tackle chart at Oklahoma State. Pretty and he, impressive. He got a shout out on the PA system on that. I thought he that did. was cool, and he got a good ovation. Yeah, that was neat. Um, he is uh, he is positioning himself for some uh, some postseason recognition. I think that he's going to have a shot at Big Twelve Defensive Player of the I Year. Think so, yep. and uh, he's definitely going to be in the conversation uh, for that, and uh, and maybe some other uh, some other awards. Is he 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 could be a finalist for the Butkus Award? It's going to be tough. Linebacker is a really deep position. Yeah, it is across the country. But it is. Uh, it's going to be tough. But he's uh, he's putting he's up the numbers to do it. Yeah. Yep. It is so. All right. Well, unless there's anything else that I uh, that I forgot, 372 tackles for Malcolm Rodriguez. By the way, in case That's anybody a lot. was was wondering, Leslie so. O'Neill's next for him. He's gonna, he he might pass Leslie O'Neill by the, end of the regular he's, season. He's got a shot this season too. Feels uh, to like get he has there. about 360 this year alone. Yeah, it does. It really does. The the way that he's been racking. Oh, up you tackles. forgot his uh, ne- his his latest wrestling move. He basically body slammed a guy. Yeah, he did. He came through with the body slam. That was impressive. That was wild. Uh, yeah, then it's. I just, still think I tip my hat to him. The other side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just, you just, you're just happy at that point that he didn't bring out a chair and slam me across <laughs> the back. 
that you could get up and walk away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, that'll do it. We will. Uh, we will talk to you uh, midweek as uh, Oklahoma State prepares for Texas Tech, and we'll be uh, back next week with a post game podcast from Lubbock, Texas. So, thank you for listening to the Cowboy Chronicles podcast. <laughs>